Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're in the world. Welcome one and all. You're listening to the Nick Rowd Podcast. And guess who's back today? Due to public demand, I'm extremely pleased and honoured to welcome back the one, the very only, everyday executive. Welcome back, sir. It's been too long. Good to be back, Nick. Good to be back. This is probably take 22 because you're having a coughing fit, so uh, I hope you're feeling okay. But welcome one and all. You're listening into the Nick Rowd Podcast. Um... A little bit of housekeeping. Can I ask each and every one of you a huge personal favour? Right now, this podcast, we've just over 17,000 people listening in around the world, which is scary, excited, uh, exciting and massively humbling. So a favour from me to you. If you like our podcast, can you jump onto iTunes under the Nick Rowe podcast and simply like it or leave a review? Thank you so very much. Now, back to the important stuff. I was planning last week for our podcast and remembering having you on as my first guest, I think, where we had an interesting conversation around growing your career from doing to managing to leading to executive roles and then to letting go. Along with what might face challenges of or face individuals and their challenges as they progress through his or her individual career, it might be worth to our listeners if you haven't heard our conversation i'll put the show notes or the links up but i think it was episode two where we got the everyday executive on board so it might might be worth having a listen to that today you and i are going to go a bit deeper on a specific topic i understand how this topic is extremely frustrating for many people looking to hire and for those looking for opportunities so let's sit back let's relax and let's get into it Our, our topic today is changing industries A big welcome to each and every one of you who have made the genuine decision to turn the spotlight on yourself in the quest of improving. Thank you for tuning in. It means a great deal to myself. My name is Nick Rowd and I'll be your host today. To those of you brand new to the show, welcome on board. A little bit about me. I'm a career coach based in New Zealand and work specifically with individuals, groups and organisations that want to improve. I've been helping people since 2006 and continue to find lasting results with my clients. So my purpose for these podcasts is simple, to uncover thoughts, discover the why, and ultimately dig much deeper than anyone else has ever done in the pursuit of helping us all, including myself, improve. If I can help just one individual through this, then my job's done. Our podcast will always be conversations, not interviews, conversations with some of the most interesting people around. And today we've got the everyday executive back because people ask for him. Um, but a little bit more about that later. Today's podcast is kindly brought to you by RJB Design, a wonderful clothing shop owned by Ronald and Natasha, located in Bryn Auckland. They've dressed royalties, they've dressed executives, they've dressed politicians, professionals from all walks of life. They'll make you feel a million dollars. So as sponsor to the Nick Rao podcast, thank you, Ronald. And please do, you know, as a listener, get into the shop and um, have a chat to the guys in there. They'll, they'll really help you and, 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 and support with what you're trying to achieve. So let's get into it. Uh, Mr. Everyday Executive, welcome back onto the show and thank you again for putting some time aside to meet with me. And to go all in on this topic, um, we, we discussed a little bit more a few months back um, and I think the resonating thing that came was Nick, can you dig a little bit deeper into changing industries and, and, and see where that goes? So firstly, how are you feeling today? 
I'm feeling pretty good. It's good to be back. Um, and interesting to hear the feedback from our last conversation as to what sort of moved people's dial and what they wanted to hear a bit more about. I think the mood following your and my conversation, I think it was back in September or October, I can't remember when, when we got lots of e- I got lots of emails through saying, hey, you know, thank you, uh, which is always nice to get, but thank you for putting it out there. Uh, thank you for um, bringing this topic to life. Um, and just so much positivity around putting some thoughts out there. So, you know, when you're getting feedback from people that want to know a little bit more, and when I drilled into that feedback and what the underlining feedback was, was, you know, certainly there's, there's a lot of people out there that are maybe in a career, in a job that they're, they're frustrated or they want to change those industries around. Um, so I got hammered with a whole heap of those positive emails and thank you very much to you who sent those in. Um, I think there was an underlining other one was, who is this guy? Who is this everyday executive? And I, I want to keep it secret because I think it's important because it people don't, then don't judge if they know who you are or they won't have a predetermined thought on you, you, you as an individual. Um, so where do we start today? Where do we dig into? And we're going to probably go full circle and all around. So hopefully it won't be as long as Robert Hollis one, which was an hour and 40. And I got a few emails saying that was too long. So I'll, I'll try my best to keep it nice and succinct. Um, so maybe just give everyone a high-level view of yourself and your career to date, if you can. Yes, I think we covered a little bit of it in the last podcast. I started out um, in the banking industry and in, in literally in a grade-A job, bottom of the rung, um, filing clerk uh, within, a, within a banking organisation and then worked my way through various different parts of the business and ended up in a financial advisory role um, with qualifications and everything that goes with that in in the UK and I suppose that gave me quite a good foundation for the things that came afterwards. Uh, Emigrated to New Zealand, started off using that base of knowledge as my first building block on my career path here. Um, So having a qualification that wasn't required here was actually quite a good thing. Mm. You know, it sort of showed to a lot of hiring managers here that actually I've taken my career seriously around lending, investment advice, financial advice, um, and a sales process, those types of things. So it was it was easy for them to see how I could possibly slot in. So worked for some of the banks and organisations here, various different roles, managing staff, managing areas of staff, and managing my own team you know, in, a, in one location. Mm. Left there, did a bit of work as a consultant doing a bit of freelancing working on some of the financial advisory piece and that's when my financial advisor and banking background sort of started to part ways with where I ended up now Um, so I took a year off studied did an MBA and then got into wholesaling um, which then led me into pharmaceutical side of things which then led me into managing as a general manager um, a large group of um, GP practices and various parts of that yeah. uh, for an organisation. So when you think about going from being the filing clerk in Industry A to running the whole thing in a completely different industry, it's taken a while to get there, but there has definitely been some things that have I've got wrong 
which if I'd have known today would have sped me up along the way yep. and there's some things that I got right that I probably didn't know I was getting right at the time that hopefully we can impart today so I'm just playing around with the sound because we're we're in a beautiful setting here on Auckland's North Shore and we've got twoies in the background and we've kept the doors open because it's a beautiful summer's day so sorry to those people in Great Britain maybe listening in but we, we're just going to go with the elements and see where we go so arriving fresh off the boat that's that's an interesting start, starting point you know you've got individuals listening here that have recently relocated to New Zealand they may be looking for work searching for work on a visa or on a permanent whatever the basis might be from a from a visa point of view how was the feeling of taking a a skill set from say the UK coming across into New Zealand were you getting advice on the New Zealand marketplace and what to expect early on or was it just fight by numbers um, I think I came across before the new millennium so um you know a lot of people's view then maybe of new zealand is different to what it would be Correct. today yeah um probably a lot tighter as well yeah that's right and i think a lot of people sort of saw new zealand still as being i want to say behind that's the wrong word mm. but you know um a lot of people hadn't seen or we hadn't been exposed as much as we have been to the rest of the world um now so in some ways you could argue it was easier um, and in other ways, you could argue it would be harder, but it doesn't really matter. I think where people are at now is there's certainly a lot more um, agencies. There's been, I mean, we've had massive immigration that may or may not change, mm. but it's certainly become a lot clearer as to what skills we need, what we're searching for here. And that's the same in every country, I think. We're not alone there. No, no um, in, in searching out. You know, if you want to, you're in the UK and you want to go and live in the States, the, you know, it's pretty clear the internet's a great thing. You can just go and Google it and find out the information. So knowing what you're going to face is one thing. Telling your story correctly is a, is a different thing. That, that telling a story is so, such a personal thing, and we'll come on to that later on. Um, but I just think from that starting point of emigrating, relocating bringing a family if you've got one it's highly stressful and it's it's such a thing that you know work people have got to find people have got to get into pretty quickly because that's what he or she needs to do from a family point of view and I remember coming across in the 90s and you know sitting down with with individuals who I'd been recommended to sit down and talk to and you know I kept hearing the same thing oh without the local experience or without the New Zealand experience you're, you're going to struggle then it got a little bit deeper I was looking at Auckland Wellington Christchurch Christchurch if you haven't been schooled in Christchurch or Wellington or Auckland your network's going to be very limited so there's a lot of challenges that are being faced at the starting point of people's jobs whether whether you're an exec whether you're middle management whether you're starting your career and, and, and more so moving from country so the only kind of passing advice I can kind of share with everybody is is really think about think about the skill set that you bring or the 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 achievements that you've done in your career and try and articulate that to the to the audience as opposed to settling for something that's far beneath you and I I hear that a lot from from clients that I coach the frustration of I've got to settle for something else that I'm probably not skilled at 
And that's really frustrating because you hear every day on the radio, on the news, that we're in a tight marketplace. Organisations are being challenged by boards to keep costs down. Yep. They're being challenged by the, 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 the invention or the technology uses that are coming at us every minute of the day, and we'll come on to that today. So, so really, it's a, it's a case of knowing who you are and what you bring and knocking on doors. Yeah, well, I think, like anything, you know, depending on which uh, change management model you buy into, the simple essentials of making a change is, one, sitting down and saying, telling the story as to why you want to change. Why do you want to do different? If it's you want to move your family to a different environment, you feel like you've reached the end of a road or a career or whatever. So it's sitting down and doing that stock take of what are my skills that are transferable? What are the things that I can do well that prove that it doesn't matter whether I'm in industry A, B, C or D, these are the skills that will always stand me in good stead. So there's obviously some professional qualifications out there that it's helpful if you've got those, something like a chartered accountant Mm. or a CPA as it is in some places. The numbers are the numbers are the numbers are the numbers and it doesn't matter really which industry you're in and I've met quite a few CAs that have been able to make those changes because of that um, yes there's some nuances but essentially you're playing by the same set of rules every time and I think then you've got to really work out is why are you successful at what you do because there'll be 15 20 other people doing the same role that you do and if you're a success at it you will be doing something differently or better than they are or you may be doing more of something that they're not doing. Mm. And really understanding yourself as to what's made me have that success. And then once you've made the change, which a lot of people then go and do, it's you've actually got to work as hard as you did when you started your career in your new career. Um, and I think that's something some I've noticed some people forget. It's almost like, I've made it. Done it. I've done it. I've, I've made it. the change. I've, I've got a ticket. Yeah, I've escaped what I've escaped, and I've, I'm into what yeah, I'm into. Yeah. Um, but the reason why you were successful in your own field might have been that 15 years' worth of networking. It might be that qualifications that are industry-led. It might be that that um, you become that, uh, I suppose, that leader within an industry because you know certain parts of it or mm, were involved in certain... Expert. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And... You know, we sometimes forget that those are things that do still stand us in good stead. So the quicker that you can get those things on board in your new industry, the quicker you can start to get yourself embedded in. I think fundamentally, when people work with myself or any coach or anyone, whether it's a coffee conversation or whatever, it doesn't have to be formalised, but I, I, like that, I like to say... What made you great or what makes you great? Mm. What makes you bloody special? Yep. Has that changed in five minutes? Probably not. Mm. A lot of people get dented. A lot of people get hurt. Yep. A lot of people get frustrated and it comes yep. back to the topic of you know that, that, that question we probably opened up with, the frustration side of it. But fundamentally, those that can probably put a, a lovely suit of armor on and protect themselves and articulate why they are special why why they should be say the chosen one will do really well wherever you are in the world it doesn't mm. matter what yep. what school what yep. varsity what degree what qualification you've got yep. and a lot of people that sit in front of me just feel frustratedly smashed because mm. they're constantly getting no mm. but they're not you know to me i'll be ignorant which i can be they're they're 
they have still got the foundations that made them where they're at today. So he or she's got those foundations, but maybe they're missing a trick. Maybe they're missing the language, if you want to put it that mm, way, of mm. what does it mean to be here in New Zealand? And a lot of it yeah. comes back to the language. What you may do in Australia, what you may do in America, what you may do in South Africa, what you may do in the United Kingdom. The terminology, and we'll come on to kind of terminology mm. and industries, because that's another kind of minefield. That 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 should shift with you. So it's really about positioning yourself, and, and as you said, it's about understanding and um, understanding and being really clear of what that looks like. So if we if we talk about companies looking to hire, people are looking to hire locally. They're looking to hire internationally probably looking offshore because they can't see the skill set here. What's stopping a hiring manager? Let's say you're looking for a person to work in, let's, let's put out FMCG. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a role going in an in a FMCG organization and the hiring manager's sitting there and going, look, I myself have worked in FMCG for the last 15, 20 years and I need to bring in somebody into my team that's going to help. They're either looking locally or overseas, but why do we feel that there's a need to only buy people with that industry skill set, FMCG? Why is there such a push in the market that unless I see that, unless you're doing that, I'm not interested in you? What do you think? Because you would have hired people throughout your career all the way up to the exec level. And you've transitioned from, say, banking into different industries and etc. I know your style of recruiting or the, the way you went about recruiting, but for those listeners out there, especially the hiring managers, what kind of thoughts can you share with them around maybe thinking a little bit broader as opposed to industry-specific? Yeah, I think we're, like everyone says, you're only as good as your last quarter. There's still a belief that a refreshed mindset in a new company is good enough for us to get a, a bump in sales or a bump in whatever it is, you know, production, performance, production, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, because you come in and you, you, you know, new colleagues, everyone's refreshed and excited and, and change is just happening anyway and there's, there's that bump there. But it doesn't, and it might bring in some new ideas because I've worked for company A and they do it slightly differently to we're now at company B. But fundamentally speaking, if you've got 30 years in an industry or 15 years in an industry, I'm not going to say you're set in your ways because that's unfair. That's not that's not what it is. But you you do have a a rhythm about how things are done. Is that like a style? Is that like a yeah. personal kind of way of doing things? And and you know, leopard never changes its spots. Is that what you? Well, I think I not? don't think it's necessarily that. It's that you know I know if we do these five things well, we should get a positive outcome. So we'll keep doing those five things yep. well, yep. rather than actually do we actually need to do those five things. Just because we need to hire, yeah. why are we rushing out to buy the same pair of slippers? Yeah. Because that's what I've always done mm. as a hiring manager, or that's yeah. got me to where I am, yeah. Mr. or Mrs. Hiring Manager. Why not pause? Why not think about what does a business need now? What does a business need over the next two to five to ten years? And really then try and structure and articulate that as opposed to just put a bum on the seat. And I think, I mean, you know, I don't want to knock hiring managers and make, uh, as oh, though they're no, making no, it different. No. But, what, but what I mean by that is is that there's, there's obviously, if there's a technical role that's being hired for and you do need to understand 
milk production numbers or whatever it is, then, yeah, of course you need somebody that's got that sort of experience on a wide scale. But as you go up the ladder away from being a technical person um, to a manager to a leader, leadership's a profession, and I don't think worldwide we necessarily look at it quite as well as we do as a, as a, as a profession. We certainly don't look at sales leadership as a mm. profession. You know, mm. Often what we find is the best salesperson will get, get promoted to be the sales manager and all of a sudden you know, they're going to have the best sales team. Well, That's a really good point. When I played rugby, and it was a, sorry to jump in, but great sports people don't necessarily sorry, make great managers of a team of a unit. great coaches or things like that. Yeah. Richie McCaw is unlikely to ever become the coach of the All Blacks. Probably saying that he'll turn up next week now, but the reality of I, it I is... I can't see if he's listening to this, but if you are, <laughs> if you are Richie, Richie, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll go and put a bet on. But I think, I think that the key part for me is, is the things that make people great at what they do yep. aren't necessarily a transferable skill. The soft skill, the the, the, the unsung yeah, skill set. Yeah, you know, so you know, Richie's ability to see a gap or pick up a ball, or um, you know, Dan Carter or someone like that, kicking ability is honed over time, 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 time. But you know, you, you know, who we are, and they can get a little bit frustrated when others aren't able to do those basics as well as they are, and that isn't necessarily what you need to have as a manager. As a manager, it's not about look how good I am it's leave your ego at the door and move on mm. and I think if you if you look at that part of it and say okay I'm a sales manager but I don't sell widgets what I do is I manage a process I manage a team that completes a process that time and time and time again is going to get me a good outcome or get the, the business a good outcome there's psychology in there there's negotiation skills in there. There's coaching skills in there, whether that's one-on-one or in group sessions. Um, there's neuro-linguistic type stuff that we all know that's in there. And all of these things are often skills that you can get a piece of paper to say that you've got them relatively easily or relatively quickly. And you can sort of say to, to people, well, okay, I'm taking sales leadership or management or, or whatever part it is as my profession now and these are the skills that are transferable to your industry and it's about being able to demonstrate that actually you've gone to that next level of course your problem really is about you know i only want to see fmcg we all know that what you'll know the numbers better than me Nick. 80 percent of roles don't get advertised no i'd say 90 but let's not get into the stats no but if you think about that logically how do you get your name face and your ethos of what you are, who you are, and what you can do for a business mm. out there. Yeah. Um, so if we all go to networking events, which I'm sure we all do, we go to the breakfast, we see the same faces, we do the same things, I would challenge you, if you're wanting to do that, is to go out and go to somebody else's networking event. Spot on. Go, you know, if, if, that, if you want to be an FMCG, there's plenty of things on LinkedIn you can join into. There'll be plenty of invites that will start coming your way. Start going to some. You might actually find you don't like what they're saying in FMCG and it's not the career that you want to change to. So you've not lost anything. Um, but I think that, again, comes back down to you. when you're there, you've got to be able to talk about why you would be a good fit in that industry. Mm. And that's about your skills, not about your achievements. The skill set 
by being a manager is what's transferable. Your achievements aren't. And so often I see CVs of, I did 115% of that, I did 84 of those, I did 100. And I'm like, as a hiring manager, I don't really know whether that's good, bad, or indifferent and how that's going to translate. Yeah, yeah. But that's a really good point. When you're, when you're looking at kind of the networking and maybe if you've, if you've only ever worked in FMCG or whatever the industry is, try those other environments and understand what people are being faced with and seeing what their terminology is, seeing what the, the speakers or whoever are talking about and the, the, the subject. Because I, I say hand on heart, a lot of the um, concerns from hiring managers, it doesn't matter what industry you sit in. It doesn't matter what your kind of background within that industry is they're transferable concerns they're sleepless nights wherever you're sitting whether you're sitting in a bank a manufacturing business whether you're sitting in a uh, a small startup they're, they're they're similar concerns so very much about trying to you know understand and, and see whether the fit's right for you I, i'm i'm also big on you know sitting down with individuals that may be subject matter experts within those industries so say if you're a, a hiring manager and you're sitting in FMCG, go and sit down with somebody in media, go and sit down with somebody in telecommunications that, that you respect or you may know and just spend some time with him or her and understand what's going on in their business. Then relook at what your business may need. It's a frustrating because time is of the essence and everybody needs things done yesterday. And 10 years of, of working in an environment where we need to get things moving um, puts a lot of pressure on individuals and that's why I think a lot of individuals that hire fall back onto that same pair of slippers because it's comfortable it feels right I got thrown out of an office um, only once in my career and it was it was really refreshing I sat down with a CE and she was trying to bring in a uh, an executive into her leadership team and for instance funny enough it was FMCG and I know she's listening but it was interesting. The, the reason she threw me out of the office was she said, I want to bring in a, a general manager of, a, of of this area. And I said, that's great. Let's, let's go to work. Let's get on with it. I challenged her with her thinking and she wanted to really bring in a uh, general manager from FMCG. And I kind of hit the pause button and said, well, why don't we think about somewhere else, another industry, say media, say telecommunications or whatever. And she said, well, no, it's a, it's a key role. It's important that I have this individual from the industry. And I think the reason I wasn't physically uh, physically set out of the office, but it was pretty much shut down there. And then I think the reason she she said what she said was, my view was you've got a thousand FMCG experts in your room right here, right now. Why do you need another one? Why do you need another subject matter expert telling you what you already know, as opposed to bringing in a different thought set, a different mindset from a different industry? Three weeks later, she phoned me back and she said, look, I've really thought about what you and I discussed and you're absolutely spot on. Let's get on and that. And we ended up, I ended up bringing somebody in from a media environment that really gave a different viewpoint on, the, on what she was trying to achieve in that exec seat. So I know hand on heart it works. But again, it's got to be at the right time and the right opportunity for an individual, for a business or for a hiring team. But I still come back to... We're only 4.5 million, 5 million on a good day people. We're having to seek off, offshore for certain skill sets. Look at doctors, look at um, engineers, look at you know uh, civil people. We're having to go offshore. I get it, but 
surely we can have a look at different mindsets or different thoughts from different industries. Uh, you, you know, you talk about slippers, and that, that's the thing is that, say, you're only as good as your last quarter. I think in some ways we believe that we can short-circuit that induction period by having somebody come in that's already got an industry experience mm. and, and those things. And, you know, they can hit the ground running and they can do things swiftly and quickly. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, in the first 90 days, and I think it's now the first 100 days when people come mm. in. Yes, they're important, but what I've found going into a new industry is I actually spend that first 100 days being really, really inquisitive reason being I don't actually know some of these things so when somebody throws me a line of blah 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 that's kind of how we do things I sit there and go why is that mm. you know what is it that's important about that how do we how often do we look at this differently and I, I've found in the past that people that understand the terminology and know know what's kind of happened before and that's the way we've always done it maybe they are a little bit more accepting of well that's okay then let's move on to the next thing mm. if you're hiring somebody particular senior management level you're hoping they're going to be there for three to five years so the first hundred days is significant um, however it's also significant as to how they get themselves set up for that three to five years so it is a real head down ask lots of questions understand lots of things and anybody that's had a senior career um, in an industry knows the right questions to ask of people in and that, that come, 100 days. And that comes back to the fundamental part of this podcast, which is people can transition from one industry to another. Mm. There is a reluctance to do that because it's not the norm. It's just what we do. But what I'm hearing and what you're saying is, you know, that's the first 100 day, a guy or girl who's smart, who's gone through the ropes, who's grown his or her career, they know what they're looking for. They know what they're trying to achieve within reason. So... In a simple brain, which is how I work, and you know my my, my philosophy on mm. that, it's well, why aren't we doing more of it? Because we're not, and I'm I'm seeing so many job opportunities out there, so many career opportunities for individuals, and people saying, oh, I'm, I, I don't want to, I don't want to move, I don't want to apply from a for a, a a banking job into telecommunic uh, a phone company or whatever uh, telecommunications company, and I say why, and they say, well, because I keep getting told no, I keep getting pushback, no, you don't have relevant experience. So that word experience is really grappling at me because they're clearly not looking at the individual's CV or maybe the CV isn't articulating what the individual brings from an experience point of view. So it comes back to if you're looking to change industries, please don't put, be put off by giving it a go, but maybe spend some time with an individual, as I said earlier, within that industry, what's the hurdles, what's the, what's the fun, what's the pain points, and then articulating your CV that's relevant with the experience you can bring. And I think that's where, you know, we've maybe lost the art of a cover letter in that... Very, us, very, very true. You know, us as applicants being able to explain, my skills will help you because... because. And understanding what... Yeah, you know, the mega trends are the same for most industries. Um, you know, we know that some form of AI is going to come in. We mm. know that some roles are going to go completely, potentially... Um, so that maybe that's something that we also need to look at is, you know, is what you're doing today going to be automated? Is what you're going into going to be automated? How's that going to happen? What are your thoughts on that? How, you know, how, how do you help shape that 
um, within an industry. And sometimes coming from outside looking in is, is a better sure. place to be than, than in trying to protect something from, from happening. Um, but if you think about, again, that's that, it's your skills that are transferable and not your experience. And I think you were quite clear there. I keep getting told no, and therefore I'm getting a bit gun-shy. I'm getting a bit gun-shy about um, wanting to apply. Well, they're hurt. They're vulnerable. They don't want to keep getting... Re- re- no, one, no one wants to get rejected in life, yeah. do we? No, yeah. no one loves that. No one loves seeing an email, thank you, but no thanks. Yeah, and I th- but I think that is really the crux of... I, I got, I've probably been asked, if I've been asked once, I've been asked a hundred times. Or actually, it's been done more as a statement when I've gone from financial services to healthcare. Hmm. Crikey, that's a change, isn't it? Wow. How did you cope? Wow. What, different you know, what's different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. just went, well, actually, it's just a people business. They both are. They're both run by people, and they're both helping individuals deal with something that they're potentially nervous about, scared yep. about, yep. vulnerable with. So the same processes apply, the same emotions apply, the same... Um, psychology of the individuals that are coming into that business hmm. they're not different really um, yes they're about different subject met, subject matters but realistically it's just people talking to people or you're trying to find a, a more efficient way to transact with yep. those individuals yep. um, and that might be using computers well, we talked about that before didn't we before we hmm. went live today on the, on, the, on, the, on the podcast we were talking about you made a good point how soon before, or well, it's probably here now, well, it is here now, how soon before you can sell your house without touching a human or being in front of a human? Hmm. So when we're looking at people being, um, you know, challenging themselves or, or, or scared about changing industries and thinking about today and the next five years with automation as is, automation that's coming on stream, automation that's going to really help businesses be more, so they say, efficient, what are you doing now to upskill yourself so when that line in the sand gets drawn by the exec that we need to take cost out because we can now automate it, rather than going, oh no, what am I going to do tomorrow? Start thinking today. You know, what, what courses, what skills, what, mm. what I t- whatever it may look like, what, what can I do now to either go away and learn? Because you're right, a house can be sold without a human interaction. You look at the accountancy industry, a lot of that. I heard a stat, and I still don't think it's right, but by 2030, there will be three accountants in New Zealand. It's the reality of what it could it be. It could be. Yeah. So, you know, people are reluctant to change industries, but I think now's the time to really, both hiring managers and individu- individuals looking to change, I think now's the, time, the perfect storm, the perfect time in the storm to really get amongst it and mm-hmm. see for it, you see for yourself. I think that's where we, you know, I mean, we, I talked about CAs being a good way to change industries um, earlier. And even if AI takes over, people are still going to want to talk to somebody about their tax. People are still going to want to yep. talk to somebody about what happens if, what do I do if, how do I account for this and how do I, and you could do that using AI, but mm. people are people and, and I think that's still going to, some of that is still going to remain. But your skill set may need to change to be able to cope with what is the new norm so if you're an accountant how much advice do you give how do you give that advice how do you get comfortable giving the right advice Mm. because without naming brands we all know what they are the actual mechanics of counting the numbers is Mm. going to be done at the flick of a button but what do I now do with that 
is the important part and that's where again it becomes a people business yeah it doesn't become an accountancy business it doesn't become a health business it doesn't become a banking business it goes back to being human beings interacting with human beings and trying to support each other somebody I read some piece the other day about Obama's just been over and one of the things he was quite clear about is just be kind to each other and that's the piece that we as human beings can mm. bring that a computer as good as AI will bring. be it just won't do yeah, it. it just may not do it for, mm. for most people. But if we go back to what we're talking about, about moving professions in that case, I don't want to make everybody nervous that, you know, all of a sudden there isn't going to be any jobs, so, so why bother? Or let's all scramble to the top of the pole mm. so that, mm. you know, we, we have a job and, and others don't. People, big businesses here are already starting to talk about, I want to push the button to make those changes because I want to strip cost out or I want to grow my revenue line or whatever it is I want to do. It doesn't matter how you dress it up. People yep. always hear it as strip yep. cost out. And they're saying, I can't. And the reason I can't is because I know I still need a 1,000 people. I just don't need the workforce looking like it does today. I need it looking different to what it does today. And there's a process change that mm. needs to take place in that for that business to say, take... 1,100 people today to 1,000 new people in a year, 24 months, 36 months' time. So as a, as a person looking to change industries, that, that information's already out there. Yeah. So how do your skills that you've got, have you been through it already in your industry? That was one of the things that was a real selling point for me going into a new industry was banking's been modernised. Mm. It's, it's had itself taking a path mm. since the 80s with the ATMs and, and everything else and like it or not the lack of high street banks or whatever yeah, yeah. that might look like but as well but it's, it's, it's been disrupted yep so having that skill set of having gone through that process with a, with a different um, industry mm. was something that really did stand me in, in a strong space going in because people were saying to me how did you do this what did you do when you faced this problem? So again, it comes back to what are your skills? What have you had happen in your industry that you can then transfer as a skill set to somewhere else? Not an achievement again. It's mm. just, actually, I'm a transformation expert. So are you a Kaizen expert? Are you an Agile expert? Are you a Lean expert? There's a lot of large businesses putting staff through those types of things yep. that yep. smaller industries haven't had the ability to do or the pleasure of doing so if you're able to get some of that type of uh, qualification or certification behind you again it can stand you in good stead because they're transferable skills to a new new industry mm. who's doing some really good things out there around embracing bringing people from a different industry i, I, I sat down with a uh, again won't talk about names or brands but a, 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 one of the CA firms a partner director in one of the CA firms recently and he was saying look I'm I've got a a whole heap of automation coming on stream and online right here right now and I'm 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 looking at buying people in and I said oh that's interesting you know buying people in what does that mean he said well look, I'm trying to attract the direct competition so I'm trying to buy people from the other big firms and again I was waiting for the the door to be slammed back in my face. I said, well, why are you continuing to buy people from from that industry? And he said, oh, you know, I know they're well-trained. I know they're well, they've got some good foundations. They've got some good skill sets. 
And I said, yeah, that's all well and good, but you've got 1,500 jobs to fill. Hmm. How many have you filled today? Zip. Hmm. Why is that? Oh, they don't fit. They're not the right skill set. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Hmm. So I said, well, something's got to change because you can't keep knocking on the door of your competition and expect to get the, hmm. the same answer, hmm. a different answer. Yep. And he, you know, a clever, clever guy and a really experienced guy. So who am I to, you know, challenge somebody? But that's my job. But um, so, so, so looking at maybe the startup companies, those individuals that have got those innate experiences, those skill sets, those learnings, those scratches on the back already and yep. buying those in, you know, that, that thinking around outside the box. So hiring managers thinking about yep. things a little bit differently because yep. we've got to because nine times out of ten you sit with people and the same issue is it's my people yep. I need to upskill people quickly I need mm. to get people moving quickly mm. because quick 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 yep. quick and it is frustrating because where do you go when you don't know what you don't know and I think I mean I've been lucky enough that when I've been hiring people have been comfortable confident whatever trusting my judgement that Fred or Sally that I'm going to hire um, is the right person for the role. And I think you as a hiring manager have just got to, if you're a hiring manager, and I don't mean a recruitment hiring manager, no. I mean you're a general manager, general manager or you're yeah, a, yeah. or whatever you yeah. are and you're a hiring manager, I think you've just got to step back and, and if they aren't in that first group, just go out again. I know we're all in a rush and I know we've all got to get our numbers and I know we've all mm. got too much work mm. to do. I get all that. But you hire the wrong person it's you know we're all flipping about it hire at leisure repent at whatever you know the words are and but again do we go actually go back and say no these are the wrong people why have I got the wrong people is it the ad that's wrong is mm-hmm. it is it what I've told the recruitment agent um, or is it is, myself is wrong or, or is, is it, it myself it, am I thinking wrong I've got everyone's got confirmation bias we all know that and so understanding what yours are and testing yourself. So I've heard of managers saying, and you know, I don't want to get into the ins and outs of diversity, it's not for this, but no. saying, actually, I'd like to see one of this type of person and one of that type of person and one of that type of person to try and gain diversity. Mm. Some of it's because they want diversity of thought, some of it's because they want diversity of, of thinking, uh, sorry, of, of look, I suppose, yep. which is possibly right or wrong. But if we stay, if you stay away from that, there's nothing wrong with. If you do keep getting four middle-aged white guys turning up as the people that you're interviewing, mm. you're probably doing something wrong. If you would like to have some diversity in your leadership team, or you'd like to have somebody different running your team with a different look and aspect on it. So, how does your company look to others? How do? You, where are you finding these people? Where are you asking to find these people? And finding a way to reach out and tap people on the shoulder and say I've seen you talk here or I've liked what you've done there or this has happened where can I find somebody like you um, and what do I need to do and again as a hiring manager you might also need to be thinking 12 months 18 months ahead because that's the reality of it how long it may take as Fred's leaving and Jim's coming in or Sally's coming in or, or, or whatever it is so we also need to go you're not right how do I find something mm. different but again coming back to what you said earlier we are bruised 
or we do get bruised as we go through this process it's not you it's what you're saying Mm. and how you're saying it that is probably not getting you to the point that you want to be Mm. so if you're continually getting told no thanks um, you've got to find a way to change what you think you're portraying and I know we all say we'd love feedback from you when you've gone through the process Mm. as to why I didn't get it. Be aggressive is the wrong word, but ring that recruitment person up and say, look, really would like to be in this industry. Can I dig down a little bit deeper on why I wasn't taken forward? And then it's about how do I get those skills so that the next time a role comes up, you can put in that covering letter, these are the skills that I've gone away and found... Um, or developed, developed whatever, yep, yep. Um, since the last time because that's the feat and it shows that you're willing to, to do things differently to, to get to where you need to be and I, and I think as, a, as an individual looking to change careers um, having the confidence to, to put your hand up and say look I don't actually know everything or everything you need to know but what I can bring is X, Y or Z and really be comfortable in what that brings because we we all see people moving into jobs or into new roles and you think, oh, how the hell did he or she get into that, in, into that mm. position? Mm. But there's a lot of things where people can grow or develop on top of what they bring and that's really what you're trying to put out towards. I know a lot of hiring managers that will be listening to this will say, oh, look, we only see the, we only see the good side of a person because that's all they want us to see. Mm. But I think that the, the, the real peelback of that is to really to understand you know, where are the areas of development if you want to call it or the gaps or the the areas that your team might have to pick up when he or she joins a business don't be afraid to kind of map that out don't be afraid to to look at the four or five three or four things that could be wrong in an individual or not perfect and say has he or she the attitude and the desire and the aptitude to really learn and develop that and if they are go for it invest go go hard and if they come from a different industry really throw a lot of throw the kitchen sink at them to help them and you'll get the loyalty you'll get the longevity of an individual coming on yep. board and they'll they'll enjoy the experience of being a wanted from a different industry because everyone keeps saying no you can't change industries mm. to saying yes it can be done mm. exhibit you said you know i changed industry and people say well you know wow that's really cool what what's changed nothing's changing you fundamentally no but the yeah. the way yeah and i think you know we all want to make changes for different reasons and I think we you as an individual need to be clear as to why you want to make a change to a different industry correct um yeah I've had plenty of people say to me I'm not as successful as I used to be or I'm struggling for this or I'm struggling for that and my first question is think back to when you were very very successful and you loved doing what you were doing when were you humming yeah yeah and find out what are those things you did then Mm. and you don't do today and it's simple things often like I used to phone follow up everybody Mm. but now I email follow up that's why your rates have gone down or whatever and then spend a period of time going back and being who you were when Mm. you were very very successful and humming doing all of those behaviours and then when you become successful again then go do I really want to change Industries, yeah, or industries, or do yep. I just want to continue to do what I'm doing and do it incredibly well? Because wanting to change an industry when you're in a down part of a career in, yep. within an industry, people can see that. 
I've sat in plenty of interviews and looked at people and I'm like, you just want to leave your existing job. You don't want to come and work for us or you don't want to come and do this. You just want to get out of where you mm. are. Um, no matter how you dress it up, it's you know you can see that. Not all the time, of course, but, but, but often. So really look at this when you're successful. Don't look at it when you're when in you a bit are, of a slump when you're and you're asking, you, 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 know, you feel like you're getting alone, knocked yeah, all yeah. over the place. Go back. Do what made you successful in the first place. Get yourself back up into that really, really great space that you're in when you're humming along. All the time you're doing that, though, do one or two different things. Start preparing yourself for, even if I don't, if, even if I get to humming, hmm. I might still want to move. So what are you going to do along the way? Is it, again, I'm going to start going to a, once, once a fortnight, I'm going to go to a breakfast meeting of an FMCG group. Or, or whatever it hmm. is. And... Do those things as part and parcel of it. Worst thing that can happen is you'll learn something. Best thing that can happen, someone taps you on the shoulder and says, why are you coming to these things? Mm. Well, I'm really interested in you're the industry. A, you're a banker and you're coming to an FMCG. Yeah, How that, dare that, you know, step into our room? I'm yeah. interested in understanding more about what you do and how you do it. The, the industry excites me and, and I want to know more. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll have coffee with you tomorrow. Okay, brilliant. It could take a year. 100% right. Um, yep. But it, serendipity is a wonderful thing. And it's about making opportunities and then knowing what to do with those opportunities that mm. is the big part of serendipity. So if you're not out there making it a possibility that you could change, you're always going to struggle. Um, so, again, easy to find out. LinkedIn's pretty easy. Um, phone any recruiter and say... What's the best industry group to join for this industry? Mm. Um, Good point. Uh, yeah, there's there's lots of different ways that you can get yourself into a position. You know, most breakfasts in Auckland are twenty five bucks. It's not really a lot of money at the end of the day for you to go along and and find out some some new information. Mm. I was doing a podcast recently. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Of, um, Hannah McQueen from Enable Me, and she summed up something really well. She said, "Oh, look, the kids of today have got a you know a couple of pots to think about. You know, the the the." the career, the mortgage, but also a, I think she used the word a side hustle. And I thought that was really good. You know, before you jump into a different industry, do your research. Mm. You know, don't always, and I say it every day, don't always think the grass is greener just because mm. little Freddie says it is. Mm. So that side hustle could be, as you said, it could be going out to an event. It could be speaking one-on-one -on -one with somebody who's, you know, well-respected within that industry. Um, it could be people that have left that industry and gone into a different world. You know, why did you leave? Why? What, what was going on there? I'm not talking about specific companies. We're really talking today about the broader industry. So, you know, by having those conversations, you as an individual can then make formed decision as opposed to when, let's say, doomsday is going to happen, when automation takes over this whole world. Um, God rest our souls. But when that day happens, then you're positioning yourself ready for it right here, right now. Mm. The best people I know in the marketplace are those that have got a very broad, wide network. Those that they, you know, you know the guys I'm talking about, the, the, the individuals that can probably pick up the phone to somebody who is well-respected, well-regarded within that channel, within that industry, within that environment, and have a really meaningful conversation so he or she's learning. That's what I'd be saying to any yeah. of the listeners. Yeah. Really start to... To, to broaden out your your networks don't just go along to an event chuck your business card in and hope things happen but i do know that you know by broadening out your relationships who knows if and when the phone may ring on something different because that 
company organization needs you needs those skill sets that you bring and it comes back to what you originally stated and started saying was define what makes you special Mm. define what makes you really unique that there's a million other widgets out there doing the same thing but what makes you that little bit different that is compelling i think that's i mean i i went away and did some higher education stuff and part of the reason my thinking for that was i i was a good sales manager but you could have lined up 50 CVs that were all over target and mm. all look great and were all good sales managers. How, do, how am I different? How do I stand out? What is it that I can bring to an organisation that helps you to, to make that change? And, I mean, you know, we've, we've made it sound very easy to go to these networking events, make these contacts and things like that. If you're, if you're not already talking to Nick, Nick's is one of those people that's got a good in the old days rolodex of people that he can pick up the phone to so if you are struggling with it and you are thinking about where do i go what do i do who do i speak to just flick nick an email and say look this is what i'm thinking about because he'll he'll have somebody out there that he knows that would be happy to sit down with you and maybe have a coffee or something like that to give you half an hour of your time where it goes from from there is is entirely down to you um, but if you don't make that first call you're just going to be sitting there in a year's time thinking how or the decision may be made for you and that's yeah. a lot of things that are changing you know this this world is changing ever so quickly and people mm. are being I'm not trying to scare because that's that's very unethical and unprofessional but people's people's choices are being made for them and a lot of people that work with me and, and other coaches or anyone else whether it's family or whatever they they are you know they are looking at themselves and thinking just what if what do i do if a couple of days ago i sat down with a, uh, a leading finance person and you know he'd been the number one finance person for organizations for the last 20 years but now he's kind of re-looking family have moved on different stage of life he now wants to part that knowledge and share the love, as I call it, with others. And he's very much looking at that mentoring and development of others to share that knowledge and support. So everyone's at a different stage in their career. And, and one thing I'm taking away from today is don't be afraid. I, I say it on every podcast, but I probably should have it on my grave. Don't be afraid to ask for help if that's what you need. Mm. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and say, hey, look, I, I don't actually know this but I think you could help me with that. I'm looking to change industries because of X, Y, or Z. Can I just run it past you? Can I just put that thought, can I just clar- get clarity here before mm. I jump in yeah. and possibly get another reject? And yeah. that's not what you want. You want to get, ultimately you want to get yourself into a lot of yes buckets, not reject buckets. Mm. I once used to say to people a long time ago when we were talking about financial investments and, and things like that, and they'd say to me, okay, I've only got an hour and I only want to spend an hour with you. And we're, you know, we're making decisions about a house or we're mm. making decisions about an Big investment and all that sort of stuff. And I used to ask them a set of questions. And this question was, first question was, when was the last time you bought a white good, you know, a fridge, freezer or whatever? And this was kind of when the internet was still there, but you didn't just Google everything. You know, you, you went through and you looked on, on a, in a catalogue or you, you looked in the newspaper or you asked a family friend about a brand or something like Automation, that. Automation, it's happening. Yeah, and things like that. Or, you know, you've got to fly through. I mean, yeah. we still get the, yep. you know, the mail and stuff like that. And then you'd go round about seven different stores looking at the different ones and you'd open the door of the fridge and listen to it clunk and you'd look what, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So I'd get them to talk me through this really emotive purchase yep. decision. And 
I said, so what one did you buy? Oh, I bought this one. What was the reason? And we'd spend 25, 30 minutes talking about it. I'd say, how long do you think it took you to make that decision? So we'd add up the time of travel and all this. And invariably, they get to about 20, 25 hours worth of actually seeking out that, that particular yeah. uh, purchase. Yeah. How much did you spend? Oh, 750 bucks. Okay, so we're wanting to make a half a million dollar investment here and you want to spend an hour <laughs> and, and you're happy to spend ticket. 20 to 25 hours to spend 750 bucks. So again, yeah. we implore you to say, this is an investment in your future. Yeah. If you are going to spend five hours working out where you're going to go on holiday next to spend $5,000 with the family, you know, your career is the next 10 or 15 years. You're going to earn a million, 1.5 yeah, 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 million, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You need to spend, I'm not saying you need to be exponentially spending that amount of time on, on the research, but you know, if, you, if you're only going to spend 10 hours over the next three months on trying to find out whether the new, the new industry is the best way mm. to go, you're shortchanging yourself you would spend far more time on other things that are of less significance long-term mm. and to your well-being. You spend 50, 60 hours a week at work. Your well-being is wrapped up in that decision that you make. So I just implore you, spend the time, talk to the right people, invest a little bit of money mm. in, in, in various things. And you said it earlier, and I wasn't sure where you were going about, you know, decision might be made for you mm. I think you were thinking more about somebody will come along and disrupt your industry and the decision gets made for you but that's one thing mm. the other one is is that you might actually decide you really love where you are mm. and I'm going to stay and you're going to yeah. stay and you're going to be reinvigorated and really fulfilled at, and your manager's going to go holy cow what happened to where's that come to, from where's over there what's he suddenly <laughs> doing and and you know you get back to being in a really really good space yeah. within your industry Okay, and so you stayed where back. you are, but you, you, yeah, everything comes flooding back to you, and 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 you embrace it again, and and that is actually not a bad outcome. It's a great outcome. You've you're in a different space to where you were before you started, and it's a more positive yep. place yep. than you were before you started, and that can only be good. So. I was reading at the weekend, and we wrap up because we're probably going to border on the. We've got the egg timer going, and we're getting close to mm. the hour. And I know people like to have short sharp snippets but I like to get the detail and dig a little bit deeper but I was reading recently I think it was at the weekend around getting individuals or getting people to go and work voluntarily in a different organization to see what it's mm. like for him or her now mm. I think that's all all well and good and I think it's part of the process whereby you can go and you know if you're doing nine to five or eight till four whatever do a few hours one night a week or go in late or get some take some holiday time and just go and maybe sit in another organisation, another industry, sorry, and, and have a look at what he or she, what they're doing. And a formed decision is better than an ill-formed Ill decision, I think. When, it, when, it, when we're buying a house, whether you're buying white goods, just do some research, do some fundamental research on what that may look, look like to you because it, it will come back to, is the grass going to be greener for me? And if it is, go hard. And if it's not, as you, as you quite rightly said, you've answered a lot of questions for yourself. Hmm. So what I'm taking away from today, finishing up note, is education, hiring managers thinking around, you know, what does my business need right here, right now? But really thinking about what does my business need over the next year, two, five, ten years, and not being afraid to pause and, 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 and look outside that industry because you may get there faster or you may get there smarter or quicker. 
for people looking to change careers bring the confidence back you are going to get rejected but you're also going to get opportunities where the door may open up for you so again embrace it think about the terminology think about what you're presenting and if it's getting constant knockbacks just relook at that rethink about that get out and talk to subject matter experts or individuals within different industries that you find that are relevant that can part can share knowledge get along to some industry events breakfasts lunches dinners there's so much stuff going on in, in new zealand so think about that technology embrace it here's me saying embrace it technology the, the biggest phobia in the world is me but you know having to embrace what could help my business or what could help others achieve more so really think about those few things and just don't get frustrated the worst thing you can do is sit there and get frustrated and down and dumped it's going to happen things are going to change but be in control of what you're changing i think that's probably a good Mm. point to finish up on yeah i think so thanks to my show sponsor rjb design Get into RJ's B Design. They're located at 20 Customs Street, two minutes from Bridemark. Mention the Nick Rao podcast and there is a very special gift waiting for you. Thank you, Mr. Everyday Executive. Uh, look, we've gone a lot deeper than we did last time because people wanted to hear about that topic, mm. changing industries. No I, I, I really appreciate your views and your thoughts and your kind of perspective on it. And I, I hope what we've shared with, with listeners is of use to everybody. Um, I can't wait to get you back on the, on the show. I know we'll get feedback. I know we'll get emails saying X, Y, or Z. So maybe a different topic whenever we kind of regroup again. But thank you very much for your time. No problem. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, everyone, for listening in today. Wherever you are in the world, take care, look after yourself and those you care about. See you all soon on the Nick Rao podcast.